for Thought is presented by the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state. Here are your hosts, Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Welcome, everyone, and thanks for listening. Leading an enterprise, organization, movement, business, team, or group doesn't necessarily mean the leader has to have all the right, best answers to every challenge, problem, or circumstance. But nowadays, more often than not, it means the leader does need to possess the ability to ask the right questions. In my efforts to grow, I've made it a part of my daily interactions with my Food Bank Council team, my board members, our funders, community leaders across the state, to begin asking them questions. Lots of questions. I'm getting great answers, and they are thinking, perhaps better and different, because of my newfound curiosity to learn and build momentum toward our end goal, which is a food-secure state. I'm asking lots of questions, who questions, why questions, where questions, when questions, and yes, what questions. I've occasionally even get to the how questions, but not before we've wrestled with all the others. Who, what, when, where, and why are great questions to ask, and it is even better when you realize a few of the answers to those questions. Today, I'm going to put Jerry Brisson, our resident thought leader, through a rigorous set of questions. Today, I will pose the what questions to Jerry. The what is food insecurity question. The so what about food insecurity question. The now what question about food insecurity. And finally, the what's next question about food insecurity. I think you will enjoy his answers and our interaction. Come back and be with us as we find out what's what about food security in Michigan here on Food for Thought. Get in touch with the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Visit fbcmich.org. Jerry Brisson, great to see you. We've uh, missed each other the last couple of days, so it's great to get together and have this conversation. It is. It is. You know, I shouldn't be allowed to go on vacation because it's time away from Dr. Phil. Well, you know, it's time away from this great work, and sometimes you do have to come apart or you'll come apart. (laughs) So, you know, it was great to have a vacation and uh, enjoyed mine as well. But we're back here on Food for Thought, and... um, I've got some questions for you, some what questions. And here we go. You know, the nice thing about coming back from vacation is you've had a lot of time to think. So uh, we'll see if we, we'll see how we do on uh, on answering all the questions. But I, you know, this is really important work and it's always a good opportunity um, to, to, you know, restate some of the things that we might take for granted because this is what we do. So right. I'm, I'm eager to have the conversation and, uh, and let's go. All right. So let's start with the first question. What is food insecurity? So I think the first part of the answer to that question is distinguishing between hunger and food insecurity. Because we use the words interchangeably, sort of, but they're not really the same thing. So everybody knows what hunger is because everybody is hungry at some point in time, usually every day. Whether it's from, you know, you're a person that wakes up in the morning and you haven't eaten all night, so you're hungry in the morning. Or if a cup of coffee is good enough, but by lunchtime you're famished, I think everybody is hungry. So, So what do you do when you're hungry? What you do is you get something to eat. 
I mean, it's pretty straightforward how to solve hunger. Food insecurity is when you can't fix hunger by yourself. Hmm. It's when you're hungry, but you can't just fix something to eat or get something to eat. Or it's when you're hungry frequently, and many of the times you're hungry, you can't get something to eat. You just don't have the resources. So what happens when you're food insecure, especially over time, is that that worry builds, and it starts to dominate your thinking. It starts to take up more and more of your time as you go, you know what, last week I was hungry six times, and I stayed hungry because I didn't get enough to eat. As I look at next week, I I feel like that might happen again. Hmm. And so I don't want that to happen again. I didn't like it when it happened last time. I'm not going to like it when it happens next time. So I'm going to think about how am I going to make sure that doesn't happen. If you're a parent, it's even more urgent. Last week, I didn't eat because I gave my food to the kids. Mm-hmm. Well, what if next week... My food isn't enough to feed the kids. And now my kids didn't get to solve their hunger. Well, the urgency rises. The stress rises. The pressure rises. But so does the shame. So so does the agony of living life where you feel like you can't provide even the most basic things for your kids. That's what food insecurity is. It's that constant stress, pressure, and feeling of failure that starts to dominate more and more of your thinking. And what does that lead to? Well, I mean, believe it or not, it leads to things like obesity because you're going to buy cheaper food so Mm -hmm. you can make sure that you can solve hunger. So that's the point, though, right? That any food will do when you're hungry. Well, whatever you can afford is what you're going to have. Yeah, whatever you can get your hands on, any food will do. Any food can solve hunger. Doesn't mean that there's not going to be some longer-term consequences for the dollar menu or potato chips and candy bars. But any food will solve hunger. But one of the things I, I think that I, I'm just going to throw it in right now, because I, if I don't, I'm, th- I'm scared we're going to get it, that almost half of the food, and this is something people I don't think will realize about the work of the food banks across the state, Not quite half, but almost half of all the food that we're distributing across the state is fresh. Right. That's exactly right. Fresh produce. So our nutritional standards for the food that we're distributing to help our hungry neighbors is high-quality food. It's not potato chips and candy bars. It's something that really has can have a positive, long, immediate impact and a positive long-term impact. Yeah. In fact, we have nutritional standards, national nutritional standards, and we call it Foods to Encourage. And so Feeding America, the National Food Bank, has developed a set of guidelines that food banks use to say, we want to have more of these foods. These are the foods we're going to encourage. And it's based on what's healthy for people. And again, without getting too far off track, just to, just to point out that people's health is one of the main things that happens in their life that causes an upset that might make them food insecure. Health 
is very expensive to fix when it goes awry. And so what you eat is a hugely important part of your health. So I know we're going to cover this in some of the other what's too, but... So as we come to the close of this segment, the what question, what is food insecurity? I really like how you put the cookies on the lower shelf there so I could understand in that hunger is really about the physical pain you experience when you haven't had enough to eat. And food insecurity, as you said, is the inability to solve hunger on your own. Consistently. And there's a few more nuances maybe we can cover after the break. And that is, uh, well, if you're, if you're food insecure and we know that you're going to solve that in whatever way you can, there are some cultural things to be thoughtful about that not everybody's solution is going to be the same. I mean, there's aspects of food insecurity that have to do with access to the food that appeals to you or that you feel is the right food for you. So there's nuances to food insecurity across different people and across different backgrounds and across different cultures and people groups. Exactly right. And we're sensitive to that as well. Yep. He's Jerry Brisson. I'm Dr. Phil Knight. This is Food for Thought. And today we're discussing what. And next we're going to talk about so what about food insecurity. Come back and be with Jerry and I in just a moment. It's Food for Thought on WJR with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Jerry, we're asking ourselves some what questions about food insecurity. Um, And so you've answered that in the first segment and showed us the difference uh, between hunger and food insecurity. I want to ask you now in the context that if you are hungry and you can't solve that hunger by yourself, you need some help to do that. Um, it, it reminds me of the statement that we've said on the show a lot and we say in our presentations, um, and I think it's one of the statements that people kind of hang their memory hook on, and that is, if you are hungry, you only have one problem. And so I think that leads us into, so what? Somebody's food insecure. What's the big deal? Yeah, and I, so for me, I like to think of the so what as being broader than solving the needs of the person who's food insecure and really think about it as working together as a community to develop the best possible community for everyone, right? So for me, the so what has to do with what kind of community do you want to live in? So do you want to live in a community where kids don't reach third grade reading by third grade because they didn't have enough to eat? Do you want to live in a community where healthcare costs are skyrocketing because we haven't dealt with nutritious food? Do you want to work next to people who are food insecure because they're not making sustainable wages and so they come to work cranky every day because they're food insecure? I mean, what kind of community do you want to live in? And it's not just about poor people. It's about all of us. So to me, the so what is this? We want to have a certain quality of life. We want to be able to go down the street and feel safe. We want our kids to go to schools where kids are paying attention to the teachers. We want to have police forces where you don't worry that the officer themselves is food insecure. Right. Right. We want to live in a community that looks a certain way, feels a certain way, and is enjoyable in a certain way. And you cannot do that without solving this problem. And that is the big so what. So that's the macro view, if you would. I mean, you're looking at that from a pretty um, panoramic view. This is, this, is, this is us talking about 
defining ourselves, I guess, culturally. What kind of community do you want to live in? Do you want to live in a community that doesn't really give a rip about somebody who's hungry, whether that be a, a child, a student in school, or a senior citizen, or a working family? As we know, as we've said, 47% of the people who come to us have someone in their home that's employed, and they're just... They're not making enough. So what kind of community do we do we want to live in? And you have a saying, and I'm going to let you say it. I, I hope I can trigger it up for you, about um, how, how you treat other people in this way talks about who we are. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, let me see if I can come up with that Dr. Philism here. Um, you know, it, it really says more about us than it does about them. The people in need is them, right? So right. how we respond to them. And as we've said on the show, it, I've been all over the world, right? It's well documented. You've seen my passports, the whole bit. The one thing every culture shares and has in common is the value of food. Food is a, a tool that communicates value to people. The quality of food, the presentation of the food, here in, in the Western world as well as in the Eastern world. And so how we meet this need with our hungry neighbors, I think, says more about us than it does about them who are in need. And thus far in the Western world, we've only focused on those in need and attached shame to that. When I really think that we need to look in the mirror. Well, that's right. So, so when we answer, or at least for me, answering the question, so what, is rooted in a value beyond charity. Mm-hmm. It's rooted in a value that's uplifting to everyone in the community when this is a problem we just decide we are not going to live with. And when we solve it, even by itself, we end up solving so many more other problems along with it. And that, to me, is the, the, why, the biggest reason why it's solvable. So, again, I know that comes a little bit later in the right. What's Next section. That's nice tease. <laughs> but, but I think the so what about solving food insecurity is so what? We have a community that's better to live in, that's more successful, that's more efficient, where people are healthier, where kids thrive, where adults have less basic needs work to do so they can have more beyond basic needs work to do. Whatever their needs are, the so what is... This is a very inexpensive proposition relative to all the things we have to solve. Let's give people that resource and watch our community move forward. Well, That's it's relatively so inexpensive compared to the cost of not solving. Exactly. It, you know? Exactly. So you, you spent time on the macro there, but I'm going to pull you down to the micro. So there is an individual that is struggling with hunger because they are food insecure and they cannot solve it by themselves. What's their life like? You just talked about it a little bit in the, if they were a parent, but what's that toxic stress? What's the effects of that? That's a big so what to me. Yeah, so let's talk about employment. I think employment is something we can all understand and it's something that we all talk about a lot. You know, people should just get a job. So let's just focus on that for just a minute. So I met a woman who got throat cancer. Her job was she was a telephone operator. She was a person that answered the phone and answered questions on the phone. That was her job for over 20 years, and she was good at it. 
she got throat cancer and could not do that job anymore. Now, what are her options in terms of training and cross-functional skills and other things? I mean, certainly they're there. She was someone that showed up to work on time, dressed appropriately for work, had basic functional work skills. But in between getting throat cancer, she went bankrupt, right? Mm. It took everything she had to recover to to, from that To try to problem, save her own life. Right? So, so now she has to retrain herself to do something completely different from what she's ever done before with the, with the added challenge of she can't speak very well because of the, the surgeries and things that had to be done in order for her to recover from the cancer. So it's a success story from a medical perspective. But from a life perspective, she is now food insecure on a regular basis. So, so how long does it take to get government help? How long does it take before you know you're going to get that help? How much help does it really provide in terms of your overall income? And how do you start to retrain yourself into a new job when your energy is being totally sapped by the fact that you already don't have the nourishment you need and you're spending more and more time just trying to make it through everyday life. Hmm. So that's one story. And a listener might say, well, that's just one story. There's a lot of other stories and there's a lot of people that are just lazy, right? And I'm going to tell you, I have worked in this for 30 years. It's over 30 years. I have been in the pantries eating with people. I've heard their stories, hundreds and hundreds of stories. And what I'm going to tell you is, yes, there's lazy people. But I'll also tell you there's lazy rich people and lazy middle class people. You don't go anywhere in any segment of life and not find that. (laughs) But by and large, the people who are struggling with food insecurity, that is not the most significant problem. The most significant problem is a system that isn't put together in a way that's that's really clear to the person suffering. This is what I have to do to get all the help I need so I can get this issue off the table and start solving the other problems of my life. We do have policies that, that essentially trap people in poverty instead of, re, for example, we're, we're requiring work now. Okay, great. We think work is a great is a huge tool in the anti-hunger toolbox, right? A job that pays a living wage. We know this, right? And it's the tool people want. It's just the tool people want. They don't want to be. They don't want to be dependent on us. They want to be have liberty and freedom, just like the rest of us. But the point is, we have policies that 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 de-incentivize work rather than reward it, and that's a huge. That's another show altogether. But we've got to talk about. How do we affect both federal and state policy that rewards people for their industry and stretches these work supports across the living wage scale? And that's what's next. S- are we on to what's next again? Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah, we are. So I got to We got to take a break. So we're going to come back and talk about now what as a result of, of your definition of food insecurity. What is food insecurity? And so what? Why it matters. Now we're going to talk about what we're doing about it. Now what? You come back and be with us in just a moment. You're listening to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Brought to you by the Food Bank Council of Michigan. Hey, you're on social media. Can you're, you believe it? Yeah, you're, I mean, you're all over the place. LinkedIn, um, Instagram, Twitter. What's your Twitter handle? Oh, I should know that. GCFB Jerry. And that's Jerry with a... With a G. With a G. That's right. G-C-F-B-Jerry. Yep. Yeah. All right. I like that. 
Yeah. I like some of the stuff you're putting up there. I like the one you're doing called hashtag Ask Jerry. Yeah, that's a fun one. That's a fun one because I'm really just trying to instigate, right? And yeah. I'm a born instigator, so yeah, right. I'm trying to get, uh, you know, people do have a lot of questions about this. It's part of the reason why we decided to focus on the what's for this show is to, to you know, answer some of the basic questions people have and not take for granted that our motivation for doing this work is obvious, right? So the right. Ask Jerry um, uh, hashtag is all about, look, if you got a question, bring it. Let's let's talk about it. Now, some of them are complicated, right? Right. And that's okay. And it's tough to do that in like 150 yeah, or yeah. 60 characters. But I do think but, it's important to have a lot of these answers in short format. Right. Which is why Twitter is such a great tool for that. Yeah. So that's GCFB Jerry with a G, G-E-R-R-Y. Yep. And then the hashtag that you're using quite a bit is hashtag Ask Jerry, G-E-R-R-Y. Yep. Correct. Right. Good. So you're answering some of the same questions that the community has that I'm asking you today. Oh, yeah. All things from what about gardening to what about global warming to, I mean, it's just been really interesting, the things people have And asked. how those things impact yeah. food security and food, food waste. A lot of people interested in food waste. read a great article, by the way, by at, you know, Cheryl Kirschenbaum, at Cheryl, yes. No, uh, S-H-E-R-I-L underscore at Cheryl. She's been a guest here on the the, the uh, relationship between immigration and uh, climate change and food security. Very interesting. She's so smart. She is. So, at, yeah. So there's, there's GCFB, Jerry with a G, and um, at Cheryl, S-H-E-R-I-L underscore. That's Cheryl Kirschenbaum. So there, that's two of my thought leaders that I... It keeps me in the right lane in this work. Right. Ask me, I'll get you started. Ask Cheryl, she'll really have some. <laughs> she'll really have some. Right. <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. So, uh, so we talked about what is food insecurity. We talked about why it mattered. So what? So what? Food insecurity. You thought your macro answer and your my your micro answer was was really on target there. But now let me ask you. Now what? Okay, we know this. We know where these people are at. We know where the food insecure people live in Michigan because we've mapped the entire state, right? We know where this is at at the Food Bank Council of Michigan. We've led this project to map the entire. We know where they're at. Feeding America helps us do that. We were able to converse with our legislators. Uh, We can do the food insecurity map by county or by legislative district, and we're using those tools so now what, Jerry? We know where they are. We are understanding a bit of the struggle of trade-offs and not enough. Now what? So I think you start the now what answer with, well, you're going to do more. You're going to do it better. And you're going to do it with the people you're serving, right? I mean, I think those are the three biggest responses to now what. Do more. Do it better. And do it with the people you're serving. And fundamentally, I'm going to start with the third one first. Why do it with the people you're serving? And the answer is because they have a lot of answers themselves. It's their motivation and their willingness to do the things that they know they need to do already to be successful that's going to be the most help to everyone, right? And so as we empower the people we serve, you have fewer people in need. And as you have fewer people in need, you have more resources to tackle more difficult problems. So you got to make sure that the resources 
resources you're spending are having the intended impact. So another way that I say this to people, simple way is, any food we distribute that is not eaten is 100% waste. Hmm. So that doesn't mean just delivering a certain kind of food or a certain variety of food or a certain freshness of food or a certain quality of food. It also means serving food people know how to cook. It also means serving food that are appropriate. If you serve someone who's trying to be kosher, food that isn't kosher, they can't eat it by their own religious preferences. And you can say, well, how important is that? I'm going to tell you. It's important enough. Right? You you have to distribute the right food at the right time in the right way to maximize the efficiency of the system and drive every dollar to its highest value. So doing it with the people we serve and making sure that it's serving them in the way that you intend is a critical part of getting the most out of every system. I'm going to give another example of that, though, because okay. it's one that we have fun picking on, and I'm going to pick on it again, and that's how food is delivered to kids over the summer. So there's kids every day getting food in school during the school year, right? It's over 300,000 kids just in Southeast Michigan alone. Right. And when school is over during the summer, summer vacation, which most of us look forward to, there's a program for those kids that still need that food help. And it's called the Summer Food Service Program, and it doesn't work. Right. You have to show up. You have to eat a prepared meal that you had no choice over. You have to eat specifically what's in that, and you have to do it in a certain amount of time every day during the summer. It only serves 15 to 17% of all the kids who get helped in school during the school year. It's about four times more expensive than giving people food to take home, and yet we persist in doing it because it's the way we want to do it, not the way we should be doing it. And that creates a ton of waste, and if you eliminate the waste just from that one program, you could feed way more people, way more efficiently, and actually accomplish the goals of the program. And that is, I know, a hot thing, and I'm already I'm sitting up in my chair because right. it makes me so mad. But we have got to be more efficient about every dollar we spend. Well, it's, a, it's about creating a culture where ideas win and where I don't have to be right. I just want to do what's right. You know, so I think that you're right. You, you, nice soapbox there. I love your rant, but uh, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm, I agree with you. By the way, on that, um, but I, I want to, I want to talk to you just a little bit and get you to unpack a little more about doing it with the people that we serve. Um, you've, I've heard you say before that no one ha- has in this process of creating a food secure Michigan that. The people who are food insecure has to be the most motivated people in the process to solve food insecurity. Yep. Yep, that's exactly right. So if we talk about, for example, that we want by by taking hunger off the table, that it enables people to get trained for work. Let's just, I mean, again, and I'm going to pick on work a little bit because I think it's easy for people to understand, right? Right. So, so, so then you say, okay, so go get your training. Well, it. If you show up to that training hungry or you decide, I can't show up to this training because I got to do an extra shift at my current part-time job in order to make enough money to feed my household, right? right. And so it, it, it takes away that opportunity for training ultimately and maybe causes you to fail in getting the training that you needed, right? right. Well, that's an example of programs that aren't supporting ultimately what the person themselves wants to do to be successful, Another example are training programs that 
train people to do jobs that don't pay a living wage. And there's a lot of those programs out there. So then when they get the job they're trained to do, they still can't feed their family. Well, that's not a very thoughtful way to go about fixing things, right? You have to provide the ongoing support for people so that they can, so that job actually helps their household accomplish the success they want, right? right? And and those are just a couple of examples of how you have to think about doing the work along with the people you're serving, not just creating a program because you think it's a good idea. Right. So there are some effects of food of a food secure household when you're able to help a food a home become food secure uh the effects of that food is there that that household now is stable they're empowered and, and healthier else? and healthier right and healthier and i mean again uh if if you if you can stabilize a household to allow them to achieve as much of their own success as possible if you keep them from falling into bad health habits that then take more time and effort to solve, and you you give them not just the food, but the other tools they need to use that food to its best potential and drive the most savings and, and right behaviors, making the best choice, the easy choice, you end up maximizing every dollar spent. And that's why stability, health, and empowerment are all critically important. So we're out of time for this segment, but I do want to say, now what? So now that we understand food insecurity and we know where it's at, we understand the effects, the negative effects of it on our community and on individuals, that's now what? So you got to do more, you got to do it better, you got to do it with the people that you're serving. But what about the community itself? They can do some things too to help this work. They could volunteer at all of our food banks across the state. They could advocate. They could listen to Food for Thought so they can hear the issues that we need them to advocate on. Love that idea. And then, you know, they can always give time, you know, treasure um, and talent. We're in need of that all the way around. Serve on a board. Serve on a committee. uh, Give of your treasure. Um, I mean, what's the administrative rate at Gleaners? Uh, you know, it fluctuates between 94 and 97 cents, goes right to programs, and between 3 and 6 cents goes to fundraising administration, and that's been solid for 40 years. So, And that's true for food banks all across the state. It's you know? true across all across the state. I think our average is between 7 and 8 percent. Right. And I think that's outstanding. Yep. So uh, then, you know, you can, I think people could talk. They could talk about this issue among their friends. and Very hard to do, too. Yeah, and, and, and you know, just host and, and think about how they can, I, you know, the, I think about volunteering, but I'm telling you one of the most powerful examples I've seen is when I watched a family walk into the food bank of eastern Michigan, mom, dad, and a couple of kids going in to volunteer to sort potatoes. I mean, it's really a powerful lesson for younger people, not only just to, about service, but about learning about people in need. Yeah, no question. Powerful. So that's now what? We're going to talk about what's next in this last segment. You guys come back and be with us. Thanks for listening. Welcome back to Food for Thought with Dr. Phil Knight and Jerry Brisson. Once again, here's Phil and Jerry. What is food security? So what? Why does it matter? Now what? What can we do about it? What are we doing about it? How are we doing that? And now, Jerry, 
What's next? Yeah, you know, in every one of these, uh, I, I want to start with, with framing it in a certain way because we have a lot of shows that go into specific detail about specific things. So I want to start with what's next in the broadest in the broadest picture, and that is we need to demonstrate impact that this work makes a difference and specifically how it makes a difference so we can engage more investors who win when food security is created or food insecurity goes away, however right. you want to frame that that either way. And then we need to drive the highest value from every dollar spent. That is what I think ultimately is what's next. Now, we do it now. All these things are things we're doing now. But it's things we need to do more of if we're going to see this problem solved. Now, I'm going to repeat it again. We're going to demonstrate the impact of our work. Mm-hmm. We're going to know exactly how people benefit, how households benefit, how communities benefit, and how our entire nation really benefits when the problem is solved. We're going to demonstrate it. We're not just going to talk about it. We, we, we say that with five W's. Who wins when we win? That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And by doing that, we will engage more investors to solve the problem with us. And those investors are there now. They're in healthcare. They're in education. They are business owners. They're landlords whose, whose renters aren't paying the rent because they're food insecure, right? They're, they're dentists who have trouble getting paid by some of their patients because they don't have the money to pay them. I mean, th- th- there are so many people who, when this problem is solved, they're better off. But we need to demonstrate the value, demonstrate the impact so we can engage those investors And then we have to show those investors that we are going to get the highest value from every dollar spent. So we're going to be innovative and efficient. And those things fight each other, right? Innovation is expensive. But you can't just be innovative. You have to drive that to efficiency because that's how ultimately the problem is going to be solved. So now that's that's high-level framing, right? It, yeah. It's not driven down to specific projects. But I'm going to tell you there are hundreds of specific projects happening around the country right now that are demonstrating impact, engaging investors, and driving the highest value from every dollar. So we're, we can talk about Locally here, things like Henry's Groceries, which we're doing with Henry Ford Health System to try to make sure that patients who need nutritious food as part of their plan to recover from their from illnesses have that nutritious food. It is it is a it's incredible program. It's driving high value for every dollar spent. It's demonstrating impact for that group of patients and it's engaging the investor, in this case healthcare, to do even more so that more of this problem that exists among their patients can be solved for their benefit and for the patient's benefit, both, right? So that's one concrete example of a project that's demonstrating impact, engaging more investors, and driving the highest value for every dollar spent. And that's just one industry where we know we're having immediate impact. I mean, but there are others, too. I mean, those three areas that we're talking about that we are having dramatic impact is one is healthcare, and you gave a pristine example of what that looks like. And then the second is education, because the principle here is, is our food first principle, right? If, 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 if you expect, legislatively, we expect uh, that our students are going to be reading at third grade reading level by third grade. 
Well, we, you and I both know, and so does our partners at MDE and Dr. Diane Galinsky and her team, that that's impossible to achieve if the child is food insecure. Number one, their brain and their, their minds and their bodies are just not going to develop to who and what they could be if they're not getting access to proper nutrition at a very young age. And so it's, it's, to me, again, it's the principle of work requirements. Great, let's require them, but let's also incentivize them. Right. Let's don't just put this obligation on our educational system without giving them the tools to be successful. And the first tool that has to be there is a food secure student in a food secure home. So when we say demonstrate impact, what we mean is you're going to see more students reading at third grade level in the third grade. That's what demonstrating impact is. You're going to see people more successful at work because they're food secure or they have the supports they need to make that job work for their household. That is what demonstrating impact is. And we are doing that, right, in projects across the state and across the country. And as we're successfully demonstrating impact, we will get more investors. And then we're going to show those investors how an investment in this is going to get a bigger return than any other investment they could make in solving social problems. I love what you're saying. And what's more, Jerry, I love how you say it. It's awesome. Time for a little food for thought. Great philosopher Willy Wonka said, we have so much time and so little to do. Wait, reverse that, said the great philosopher Willy Wonka. We've much to do in this work of creating a food secure state. And we want to make sure that we are doing what we should be doing. First, we want to do what is necessary. Next, we want to do what is possible. And before you know it, we will be doing what is impossible. Thanks for listening to us today. Find our shows at foodsecuremichigan.org. And until next week, remember, it's food first, folks. Food first. Food for Thought has been a presentation of the Food Bank Council of Michigan, creating a food-secure state.